Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. First Corinthians, if you would please, chapter 14. We're talking about the subject of prayer. We've discussed what Jesus said about prayer. Now we're talking about what Paul said about prayer. In 1 Corinthians 14, 14, Paul the Apostle said, For if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prayeth, but my understanding is unfruitful. What is it then? I will pray with the spirit, and I will pray with the understanding also. I will sing with the spirit, and I will sing with the understanding also. Paul is here talking about another added dimension to prayer. He is talking about involving our spirit and the Holy Spirit together in prayer, giving us a higher means of communication or communicating with God. And I believe that as Pentecostal people, each of us should exercise ourselves in this manner of prayer for many reasons. Once again, one of which is it gives us a higher means of communicating or communication with God. Why wouldn't we want to communicate with God on a higher level? Everyone should desire to do so. Also, we said, it gives us the ability to speak to God in a supernatural way, divine secrets, mysteries. We can speak in a language of the Spirit, That God knows, even though our understanding is unfruitful, God knows the language of the Spirit. He understands the cry of the heart. And in this atmosphere, God can unveil to us the secret things of the Spirit that He desires to. Of course, it is up to Him to do so. Therefore, he that prayeth in the Spirit should also pray that he may interpret. This is absolutely essential if we want success. We should also pray that we may interpret. And that's not just talking about in a public setting. We can also pray in the Spirit and interpret our prayers in the Spirit in a private devotional setting. And we should do so. Ignoring this is like severing ourselves from this manifestation of the Holy Ghost. And why would we want to do that? We can speak to the Father the things of the Spirit, divine secrets and mysteries being unveiled to our spirits if we also ask for interpretation. So we should also pray and ask that we might be able to interpret. Also, we found out in the same chapter, Paul said that praying in the Spirit is a divine means of supernatural edification. We can supercharge ourselves or build ourselves up as we pray in the Spirit. And we talked about how your automobile is not going to run if your battery's dead. Now, we can understand that and we can all relate to that. But if you take that battery and get it charged up, then you can run your automobile. If the battery is not capable of holding a charge, then you've got to get a new battery. 
every single one of us has a means of divine supercharging. I don't know about you, but I like to be supercharged supernaturally. Our spirit man can be charged up just like a battery is charged up. How? By praying in the spirit, praying in the Holy Ghost with a brand new heavenly language. It's not just to show that we've been filled with the spirit. Beloved, it should be a continued thing in our lives. Every single one of us. And if we'll do it, we'll be charged up supernaturally, supercharged spiritually. And you know what that means? Just as your automobile is going to run and function fine and properly, your spirit man is going to do the same thing. Amen. So we should take advantage of what he has given to us. Also, we talked about the fact that in the spirit, a person gives thanks well unto God. And what that really means is that it is a divine means of giving praise, adoration, Unto God and also a means whereby we can magnify Him. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Now you and I would like to magnify God. We always want to magnify God. But we are limited in our own language. Learning to pray in the Spirit, learning to worship in the Spirit gives us a divine means of giving thanks well unto God. is the highest means of giving praise and adoration to God. Out of our spirit. Our spirit man is active. The Holy Ghost within us is, is active. There's a coming together of the two. And praise God, dynamic results come forth. Amen. One, of course, is enabling us to give thanks well unto God. There's another thing I want to bring out at this point in Romans 8.11. I touched on it not too long ago, said a few things about it, but let's look at the verse of Scripture so that we can identify with it. When we pray in the Spirit, as Paul said, now notice Paul said, I can pray with my understanding and I can pray with my spirit. In other words, I can or I will. I will to pray in English. Father, I thank you for this glorious day. I thank you for your presence in my life. I thank you for my salvation. And for delivering me from the powers of darkness. That is praying in my own language, isn't it? I know exactly what I'm saying. I understand what I'm saying. But you know what? There's another means of communication that goes beyond what I understand. It is giving liberty to my spirit. Freedom to my spirit to express itself in another language inspired by the Spirit of God. And the Bible says I can do it as I will now that I'm filled with the Holy Ghost. So I can also say I will to pray out of my spirit and then begin speaking or praying in other, other tongues. In so doing, I am glorifying God, I am praying to God, speaking to God, divine secrets, edifying myself, supercharging myself. Look at all these advantages to praying in the Holy Ghost. And some person out there who is born again, but yet not filled with the Holy Ghost says, I see no value to this gibbering. I see no purpose in this. It's an insult to their intellect. Well, beloved, as Paul said, I'm not coming to you in excellency of speech or in men's wisdom. I'm coming to you speaking the Word of God in demonstration of the Spirit and with power. That is the power of the Holy Ghost. And I'd rather be ridiculed, laughed at, mocked, and whatever, and filled with the Holy Ghost than not have the Holy Ghost and everybody like me. What about you? And compliment me. I one time preached at a funeral, and as I always do, I gave a message about life, death, and eternity, and at the end, I gave an invitation. 
for people to accept Christ as Savior and Lord, and I lead everybody in a sinner's prayer. I like to take full advantage. Amen. Amen. Do everything I possibly can to bring people into the family of God. I did this one time, and some Jewish lady said, it took me all these years to really find the truth about Jesus. I went to all kinds of churches, and I never really found the truth, she said, but I found them in a funeral home. I appreciate that. And she says, I want you to know I prayed the prayer and I accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior and Lord. She was in her 80s. That made me continue doing so. I was so thankful to God to hear that woman say that. She came right up to me and said, that's exactly what I did. So she made Jesus her Savior and Lord as a result of hearing the truth of God's Word. But on this particular occasion, someone said to me, you know, what you said was true, but it was not eloquent. <laughs> and I thought to myself, well, thank God it was true. <laughs> It didn't have to be eloquent as far as I was concerned. As long as it went forth in the power of the Spirit, as long as it touched hearts, as long as it changed lives, that's all that mattered. Amen? Amen. Thank God. Thank God for people. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. But it made me really think, it didn't matter to me whether or not it was eloquent. And I can spend all kinds of time trying to become more eloquent. But you know what? Sometimes in so doing, you just remove yourself from the Spirit. I'd rather have God's anointing and a limited vocabulary than an enormous vocabulary and no anointing. Amen. It's okay to put the two together also. I'm not saying that. But in the process, I'd rather just give attention to the things of the Spirit and hit home. That is, hit people where they live, right in the heart with the power of God. And so as you pray in the Holy Ghost and stay in the Spirit, you'll have results. Spiritual results. Now, here's one right here in Romans 8, 11. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal body by his spirit that dwelleth in you. That word quicken means to animate or make alive or give life to. I believe that as we pray in the spirit, there is an action that takes place between our spirit and the Holy Spirit. As a result of that action that takes place between the two of them, something begins to take place even in our physical bodies. I know our minds are affected, but our bodies are affected as well. When a person prays in the Spirit, I believe his body becomes animated. I believe that the cells of the body are imparted life, zoe life, resurrection life. I believe that. He makes our bodies act like an immortal body. And that's how God quickens our mortal bodies or causes them to rise up above even sickness and disease. Now, Brother John G. Lake was one who put that to the test. He set himself up on monitors, having people monitor him as he was praying in the Holy Ghost and praying for other people. And they said, as he began to pray for people, and once again, it was monitored and documented, they said there is something happening to the cells in this person's body. There is something happening to the bones in this person's body as you pray in this language. What was happening? Life was flowing from him into the person. And they said, we see his bones and his leg responding to health. 
There was a process that was, I guess you could say, God chose to use that means whereby to speed up the healing process in that person's body as he prayed in the Holy Ghost. Beloved, we're tapping into something here that is absolutely essential to health and longevity. Can you imagine what we would do to the physical body if we spent quality time praying in the Holy Ghost, believing that God's Spirit was quickening this mortal body of ours? Can you imagine the kind of life resurrection power that would flow into our physical bodies if we just acknowledge this verse of Scripture and take it to heart? Imagine that. You can read his writings and you can find out for yourself. I'm sure if you really wanted to, you can have the things, you can find out how they were documented and all that. But they made it very clear. They said, there is something happening as you pray in this language, as you pray in the Spirit. Put himself on a meter. I don't know how they did all this, but they put him, he put him on a meter, and uh, a monitor rather. And, they, and what they did was they, they tested to find out what action was taking place as he began to do this. And he prayed a simple prayer in English, but then he shifted over to the Holy Ghost. And what he did, that needle went berserk. They said, there is a definite change taking place in you as you pray in that language. So you can read his uh, writings for yourself and find out some of those things. But right here, the Word of God tells us this. You pray in the Spirit, your Spirit by the Holy Ghost, but then you praise. I like that, don't you? And activating the Holy Ghost inside your spirit affects your soul, your mind, will and emotions, as well as your body. Your body will be quickened, energized with new life, resurrection life. That's good. Now, let's go to the book of Ephesians chapter 1, and let's look at some examples of prayer given to us in the Bible, prayers that Paul prayed for people. Now, these prayers, I believe, can be effective in our lives today. Amen? And if you want to learn how to pray for people, here's a good place to begin. In the book of Ephesians chapter 1, and verse 16, the Apostle Paul prays for the church at Ephesus. And he says to them in verse 16, Cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. Now here's Paul praying. And what he prayed for was that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, would give unto them the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of of him, the eyes of their understanding being enlightened, that they would know certain things. What is the hope of his calling, the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and the exceeding greatness of God's power to us who believe, or to those believers at that time, according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead. Let's stop right there. We want to be effective in prayer. We don't want to just do this study. And then forget about it tomorrow. We want to be effective in prayer. And here we have revealed to us certain ways the Apostle Paul prayed. And it shows us certain things we should be praying for. Not just for ourselves, but also for other people. Sometimes we think we just need to pray that so-and-so gets better. Well, that's wonderful if they get better. But we're limiting God in their lives. If we pray that these things would manifest in those people's lives, can you imagine how effective your prayers would be? 
Can you imagine the changes that would take place? Can you imagine the results that you would get if their eyes were enlightened? If they would come to the full knowledge of the truth, a full understanding of the revelation there is in Christ, their eyes being enlightened to know the hope of His calling, the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints, and the exceeding greatness of His power to believers. It's the power that was used to raise Jesus from the dead. Beloved, that should be a prayer that every child of God should be praying for himself on a daily basis. I desire to know the power that has been given to me when God raised Jesus from the dead. This is the exceeding greatness of God's power that was used to raise Jesus from the dead and is to be active in the life of the believer today. Can you see that? Yeah, thank God we can pray for people to be helped. But can you imagine if this prayer was ever answered in someone else's life and they came into the full knowledge of the power of God that was active in them that raised Jesus from the dead? Glory to God would you have an evangelist. You'd have somebody on fire. Not just well. You see why we don't want to limit ourselves? And Paul daily prayed for this church, daily prayed for these people. He wanted them to know all about that power that was at their disposal, that was for their use. And you can just read through the rest of that prayer, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead, set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality, power, might, and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. Can you imagine the power that is in us? that was used to raise Jesus from the dead, is an exceeding great power that God has imparted to us. It is the power of God, the dunamis, the miracle-working ability of God that far supersedes all principalities, all powers, all mights, all dominions, and every name named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. Glory! It'd be okay if we just found out about the power in this world. But what about that which is to come? Can you imagine the exceeding greatness of that power to usward who believe? Oh, we have yet begun to have unveiled our deepest thoughts. The glories of God's power that is active in us. Hallelujah. But we should pray to be enlightened. And we should do it like on a daily basis. Father, I pray that the eyes of my understanding would be enlightened, that I would know the hope of your calling and the riches of the glory of your inheritance in the saints and the exceeding greatness of your power to me, who is a believer, the power that raised Jesus from the dead. I want to know this resurrection power, its operation, and how I can flow with it in this life. That should be our prayer for ourselves as well as others. Let's move on. Ephesians chapter 3. Another prayer. Oh, if these prayers were ever answered, look out. Whoo! God's people would be riding in the high places. They'd be high up above the law of sin and death, experiencing the glories of that heavenly power and living in days of heaven on earth. Verse 14. For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know... In our worship services today, I believe a lot of this is lacking. 
You know, believers used to come together and just bow down before God. And it wasn't a strange thing to do. Paul set an example. He said, I'll tell you what. I bow my, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ daily. And this is the reason why. Listen to the reason. Of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. That He would grant you according to the riches of His glory to be strengthened with might by His Spirit in the inner man. That's a whole lot better than just being healed. That's a whole lot better than just having a financial need met. Glory to God. Can you see the results of that prayer being answered in a person's life? Strengthened with might by His Spirit in my inner man. Glory to God. The impartation of His strength and abilities and supernatural powers in my inner man. Actively unleashed in me day by day. The world couldn't stand us, could it? The world would hate us, wouldn't it? Absolutely it would indeed. Why? Because of that righteous glory that's manifest through us. Listen. That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith so that you no longer live, Joe. But Christ lives in you. That's what he's talking about. So that you're so lost in the strength of God. You're so caught up in the power and ability of God that you are no longer living. But Christ in you, the hope of glory, is alive and well. Manifesting His powers and abilities through your life. That you would be rooted and grounded in selfishness. Bitterness, hatred, unforgiveness, malice. No, if Christ was tr- were truly alive in us, beloved, we'd be rooted and grounded in love. Why? Because He said, this is My commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Amen. This is the true test of Christianity. Is Christ's love manifest in and through you? Well, I'll tell you what. If He's alive in you, His love will flow through you. And never forget this. This is how you imitate God. By being a follower of love. An imitator of God's love. A love for humanity that goes beyond anything that is natural. Did you hear that? A love for humanity that goes beyond that which is natural. Because in the natural, we can't possibly love humanity. But in the supernatural, you can look the vilest sinner in the eyes and the face and say, You know what? I love you with the love of God. And I desire to see you in glory someday. No matter what you've done, how awful, how whatever it is that you've done, I want you to know that God and His power is available to you. And I want to see you in the kingdom of God. No matter what. Rooted and grounded in His love. Able to comprehend. This is where all comprehension begins. Right here. Comprehend what? With all saints, what is the breadth, the length, the depth, and the height of God's love? The love of Christ. What is the length, the depth, the breadth, and the height of God's love? Think about it for a moment. It's all found in Christ. 
to what length he would go, to what depth he would go, to what breadth he would go, to what height. And it starts in glory. To what length would he go? He left that heavenly realm, gave up his mighty power and glory, set it aside to come down to the earth to become a man. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. We have to start to comprehend that more fully. What that meant and what it took. That's to what length he would go. To what breath? The breath. For God so loved the world. It's all encompassing. It wasn't for one person, yet it was. It's for all peoples, all classes, all categories, all ethnic groups, all races, colors. It doesn't matter who, what, where, when, why, or how. If you're alive on earth, Christ died for you. It touches the whole world. To what depth would he go? The lowest depth. You read Psalm 88, you discover he went to the lowest depth of the earth. The lowest caverns of the damned. There, free among the dead. Where he suffered for Adam's transgression. That's to what depth he would go. You see why some people have a difficult time understanding the, the, the vastness of God's great love? It's all found in, in the person of Christ. That's to what depth? Not just the cross, but the Bible says He descended into the lower parts of the earth. He descended into hell where He suffered for the sins of mankind. Then what about the height of God's love? To comprehend the height of God's love. Can you understand this? We should pray that we can. When Jesus was raised up from the dead, we were raised up together with Him. He took us into heavenly places with Him. We are now heirs of God, joint heirs with Jesus. He didn't just bring us up with Him to make us peons on the earth, but kings and priests. Joint heirs, heirs of God. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Offspring of God. Can you see this? Christ in us, the very hope of glory. He gave us a place seated with Him in the heavenlies. He took us with Him. Wow, what love. You say, why is that such love? Well, people are selfish. I don't want you to have what I have. Maybe some of what I have. That's humanity. That's the natural man speaking. But God who owns it all says, it's my good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Amen. I'll give you the keys to the kingdom. It's all yours. You're an heir. Can you see that? God says you've got to begin to understand these things. Listen, let's read on. To comprehend with all saints the breadth, the length, the depth, the height of God's love. To know the love of Christ. See, it's all revealed right there. Which passeth knowledge that ye may, might be filled with all the fullness of God. Filled, listen, with all the fullness of God. Can you understand that all the fullness of God involves knowing the love of God 
And when you know the love of Christ and you begin to allow your spirit to absorb its meaning, then God gradually begins to fill you with all His fullness. God is love. Now about it, faith, hope, and charity, but the greatest of all these is love. God is love. And God's love in us adds to God's fullness in our lives. To be filled with all the fullness of God. Because in the end, beloved, it's going to be a world of love. We're going to live in a realm of love like we've never known before. And He wants us to practice that now. Not being self-centered, not being selfish, not being self-willed, but the giving of ourselves in love. Why? Giving out of yourself in love. Why? To have more of God. You can't have more of God without giving out of self. And as long as we remain self-centered, selfish, and self-willed, we'll not have a greater fullness of God in our lives. But when we start saying, yeah, I see it now. I see the value of it now. I see it. I see it. I see it. Praise God. It may appear as though men are walking on me. It may seem as though they're taking advantage of me. But praise God, He's getting bigger in me. He's getting bigger in me. His fullness is rising up in me. My God then is... Look at the next verse. Now, unto Him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that I ask, above all that I think. According to what? According to the power that worketh in us. Amen. According to the miracle that where power is dunamis, the miracle working power of God that worketh means is efficiently active in our lives. Not dormant, but active. Can you see that? And that's what he prayed. That's what he prayed for the church at Ephesus. He wanted them to know understand, have a revelation of. So pray it. I pray it for you. Pray it for yourself. Understand the importance and value of these things. This is a whole lot better than just praying a prayer to receive a healing for the physical body. It gives so much more. Let's move on to the book of Philippians chapter 1. Here Paul once again is writing. Look at verse 4. Always in every prayer of mine for you all making request with joy. It was a joy for him to pray for people. Look at verse 9. And this I pray, that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge, and in all judgment. That ye may approve things that are excellent, that you may be sincere without offense till the day of Christ. Do you see he was always looking out for the greatest good? Now he talked about the love of God in us, but now he's talking about love for each other. That your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and all judgment. These are the higher things that Paul was praying for in people's lives. And the reason for this, again, is revealed in verse 10, that you may approve things that are excellent, that you may be sincere without offense till the day of Christ. He was speaking of matters eternal. He wanted to instill within these people that which would be everlasting. 
that which would take them to the very presence of Christ when they appear to Him, He can look at them and say, yes, indeed, I approve of those things that you're made of. You know, sometimes we look at ourselves and we don't approve of things. Sometimes the way we act, sometimes the way we respond or react to situations and circumstances. God wants to purify that. God wants to refine us. God wants to, to occupy a, a greater place in us so that one day we can get to where Jesus was and say, I always do those things that are pleasing in your sight, Father God. Amen? Amen. Well, prayer will enable us to get there, to that place. Go to the book of Colossians in chapter 1 and we see once again Paul in prayer. In verse 9, For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of His will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. That's what he prayed for. Father, not only do I want John to be healed, but I want him to be filled with the knowledge of your will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. And Father, not only do I want to be well, but I want to be filled with the knowledge of your will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Well, why? Why should I pray that prayer about myself? Look at the next verse. It tells us why. That I would walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to His glorious power unto all patience and longsuffering with joyfulness. That's the result. Of what? Of being filled with the knowledge of God's will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. That is the end result. How many of you want to walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing? How many of you want to be fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God? This sets the tone for that. See? And if we pray that prayer for ourselves on a daily basis, that will be enlarged within us. That will increase within us. That will give God that higher place and that greater space in our lives. Paul knew it and he prayed it for them. Look at 1 Thessalonians. Now, these are just some statements that are made here, but I, I just... Uh, pondered over them. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 2. We give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers. My, this fellow was a prayer warrior, wasn't he? He is always praying for people. Whether it was the church at Colossae, was the church at Rome, or the, or the church in, at Philippi, or Ephesus, Paul was always before God in prayer for the people praying the highest things of God into their lives. Look at verse 12 of chapter 2. 1 Thessalonians 2.12 That you would walk worthy of God who hath called you unto His kingdom and glory. For this cause also, also thank we God without ceasing because when ye received the word of God which ye heard of us, ye received it not as the word of men but as it is in truth the word of God which effectually worketh also in you that believe. But notice this is what he was praying about. He prayed to God for them that they would walk worthy of God who has called them unto his kingdom and glory. For that reason he never ceased to give thanks to God for them because the Word of God was now beginning to take effect in their lives. Let's read on just to show you his concern. 
For you, brethren, became followers of the churches of God, which in Judea are in Christ Jesus. For you also have suffered like things of your own countrymen, even as they have of the Jews, who both killed the Lord Jesus and their own prophets and have persecuted us, and they please not God and are contrary to all men, forbidding us to speak to the Gentiles that they might be saved, to fill up their sins always, for the wrath is come upon them to the uttermost. But we, brethren, being taken from you for a short time in presence, not in heart, endeavored the more abundantly to see your face with great desire. Wherefore, we would have come unto you, even I, Paul, once again, but Satan hindered us. For what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing are not even ye in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming? For ye are our glory and joy. What I wanted you to see here was the very heart that existed in Paul for humanity. Prayer is a matter of the heart. Prayer is a matter of the spirit. Prayer is a genuine concern that we have for people. Listen carefully. Don't miss this. Prayer is not magical formulas apart from heartfelt sincerity. It's not teach me one, two, three how to pray in Jesus' name and then get a result. Prayer is genuine desire, genuine concern. It is genuine love for humanity, a genuine disgust for sickness, disease, and what it does to humanity. Prayer is holding people to, up to higher places in God before Him, truly desiring their success in spirit. It is saying, Father, I genuinely desire to see my brother's freedom. I long to have them rise up to higher places in you. I can't tolerate their suffering. It's as if I'm suffering myself. Paul at one point said, and beloved, you talk about sincerity of heart and genuineness in love. He said, I would be willing to give up my own salvation if my brothers could be saved. Did you hear that? I would be willing to lay down my life and give up my salvation so that my brothers, the Jews, could be saved. Prayer is more than a matter of formulas and learning verses. It's a matter of the heart. And it's intent, sincerity, and genuineness. He loved the people that were saved under his ministry with a genuine love. A couple of more verses. Second Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 3. We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is meet, because that your faith groweth exceedingly and the charity of every one of you all toward each other aboundeth so that we ourselves glory in you in the churches of God for your patience and faith and all your persecutions 
and tribulations that ye endure. Now, beloved, can you see this? He's not criticizing these members of that church. He has a genuine concern for these people. He's not living in a world that says, this is our church, this is my church, and all we're concerned about is we four no more, and that's it. Well, this is how we do it in our church. We don't know how you do it in your church. That's up to you. Or criticizing the way others do things and that sort of thing. Beloved, that is so far removed from Christianity, so far removed from the heart of God. There has got to be a love for humanity, a love for other believers. Whether right or wrong in certain areas of doctrine, there has to be love for humanity. It doesn't matter to me what a person believes about healing. I still don't want to see him die of cancer. I may never get him to believe the right way, but I'll tell you what, I'll do my best to try because I don't want to see them die of a sickness or a disease. It's ugly. I can't stand it. Can you? Can you tolerate that? You want to see them well. Why? Because you love humanity. That's what nailed Jesus to the cross. That's what caused him to take our sin, sickness, and disease and mental anguish upon himself was because he loves us and cares about us. The very heart of the Apostle Paul. Look at 1 Timothy 1. Verse 5. Just a statement made that absolutely feeds my spirit. Now the end of the commandment of God, of course, is charity or agape or divine love out of a pure heart. Oh, I like that. And of a good conscience and of faith unfeigned. Did you hear that? Without hypocrisy. He is saying this is the end of it all. Listen, next verse before I, I state that. From, from which some having swerved have turned aside unto vain jangling, desiring to be teachers of the law, understanding neither what they say nor whereof they affirm. But we know that the law is good if a man use it lawfully. And then he goes on to explain certain things. But the point he is saying, he is making here in this verse, verse 5, that the end of it all is this. God's divine love manifested out of a pure, unadulterated, no admixture of evil heart. A pure heart. A good conscience toward God before man. And faith unfeigned. That is what every child of God should be striving for and aiming at because he said in the next verse, some have swerved away from that. They've taken another course. I'm not trying to outdo somebody. I'm not trying to show my brother to be wrong. I'm not trying to say, I know something you don't know. No. That's not what this life is all about. It is charity out of a pure heart. It's a good conscience before God and it's a faith unfeigned. That's what it's all about. And that's what we should be aiming at and striving for and not swerving away from. And then 2 Timothy, if you would please, chapter 1. I th verse 3. I thank God whom I serve from my forefathers with pure conscience. Did you hear that? With pure conscience 
that without ceasing I have remembrance of thee in my prayers night and day. Listen, let me read that again. I thank God whom I serve from my forefathers with pure conscience that without ceasing I have remembrance of thee in my prayers night and day greatly desiring to see thee being mindful of thy tears that I may be filled with joy. When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in you which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois, your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that in thee also. Wherefore I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Can you, can you see the heart of this as Paul writes to Timothy and says, this is what I prayed for, for you? Can you see the genuineness of his prayer and praying can you see the heart of it all as he pours his heart out for this beloved in the Lord? One that he nurtured and trained in the things of God as he admonishes and encourages him. says, Timothy, I cease not to pray for you. Without ceasing, I pray to God for you day and night. And oh, and I see in you that faith that was in your your grandmother and your mother, and I know it's in you. I encourage you, brother. I encourage you. And notice what he encourages him to do. I love this. Oh, I love this. It reminds me of Jesus. Jesus prayed that Peter's faith fell not. Jesus prayed. How did I miss that? In this teaching. <laughs> Must have been an oversight. Jesus, I didn't now, did I? Jesus prayed that Peter's faith fell not. Some of you looking at me like, are you sure? He did. He prayed that his faith fell not. That was a prayer that Jesus prayed for somebody who was being attacked by the devil. He didn't just go and say, now devil, leave Peter alone. He said, Peter, I pray that your faith doesn't fail. And you know, in some cases, that's how we have to pray. And Paul here was praying for, for Timothy, and he said, Timothy, I'm praying for you, and, and my desire is that you stir up the gift of God in you. In other words, I'm praying that you take action in your own life. Stir up God's gift in you. Don't be bound by a spirit of fear. Don't give place to fear. Don't let anyone despise your youth. You may be young in the Lord. You may be young, but it doesn't matter. You've got the faith of God in you. A faith unfeigned that was in your grandmother, your mother. It's been passed down to you. What a heritage. And you can, you can have a legacy. I pray for you, Timothy. Stir up the gift of God. It's all in you. It's all there. Victory lies within, Timothy. I pray for you. I'm talking about the heart of the matter. Can you see how genuine... Not just a flippant type of thing where, oh yeah, I'll pray for you. Come on, saints, would you, con this is a little true confession time. Has anybody ever come up to you and said, oh, I blah, 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 pray for me? And you said, okay. And you walked off and never thought about it another second. And then a week later, it hit you. 
Oh, I said, I'd pray for so-and-so. And I didn't. It's too late now. <laughs> what happened? I realize we can be bombarded with all kinds of prayer requests, but you know what? When it's here, when there's a genuine love and a genuine concern in you for that person, I find myself doing this now. Someone calls me and says, Brother, will you pray for me? I say, Yes, I will. They'll say, I've got to go, but pray for me. Goodbye. Father. You say, but the court case isn't going to be till next Wednesday. It doesn't matter. God doesn't need to know. God's not concerned about what day it is. Father, I pray for so-and-so. In this situation that they're encountering, when it comes down, I'm looking to you to manifest yourself, to show forth your mercy, and to touch the hearts and the lives of the people involved in this court case. May justice prevail in Jesus' name. And I do it now because of the concern I have for this person who enlisted my prayers. And if you do it immediately, do you see this? If you do it right then, you don't have to have it on some list somewhere. Because your list will be this long if you wait three days. I'm going to tell you something. I could preach all night tonight. We better stand up before the Lord. Thank you for listening to our Legacy Teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.